Today's scripture passages are from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, and chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8, the parable of the persistent widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Good morning. As some of you may know, my name is Caitlin. I've been part of the Spring Garden community for about four, four and a half years now, and I am also a vocational missionary working with an organization called Fight for Freedom. Fight for Freedom is a local missions organization that's dedicated to fighting sex trafficking. In short, we exist to provide support to those who've experienced sex trafficking and exploitation in any form. We also exist to raise awareness about this issue and to advocate for change that will ultimately bring an end to this injustice. I'm the director of our survivor care team, which means that I lead a team of amazing people to provide support and care to those who have experienced trafficking, exploitation, or abuse in Canada's sex industry. Really what we do is we come alongside these individuals and work alongside them to help them meet their needs and work toward their goals and their dreams. This means that we're in it for the long haul with people. The people that we work with, who are mostly women in their 20s and early 30s, have long histories of difficulty in their lives, and each of them have very different life experiences. From 
childhood trauma, experiences of poverty and addiction to mental health challenges, experiences in abusive relationships, and severe traumas that occur later in life, whether from their trafficking situation or otherwise. Some of the people that we work with have already left their traffickers and are on that lifelong journey of finding healing, stability, and reestablishing their own sense of normal. Others are still in situations of sex work or exploitation and may be wanting help to leave or may simply be wanting to have good supports around them in whatever situation it is that they find themselves. I'm going to be speaking a little bit about some of the women that we have worked with, but to protect their privacy, I can't share a whole lot of details. So some of the stories are a little bit vague, um, but I really do believe that even with that vagueness, these women have a lot to share with us. When I talk about being in it for the long haul, I can think of one woman that we met a number of years ago who, at the time, was telling us that she did want to leave her work in the strip club, but she felt that there were too many barriers in her way to be able to do this. It's been nearly four years now, and she is in the process of looking for a new job, and she's ready to leave the club and find something new for herself. It's been four years of challenges, barriers, longing for something better, and feeling like there really were no options for her. And over these years, she's certainly taken small steps to get herself to where she is now, and she's ready to make this big leap and find something new. This is not a short-term investment for us, because it's a lifelong journey for the people that we are supporting, and we have the unbelievable opportunity of being on that journey with them. Now, this morning represents a few firsts for me. Uh, this is the first time that I've shared in a Sunday morning like this. It's not something I ever really pictured myself doing, and through the nerves, I'm really grateful that I get to share this with my church family. As I was preparing for this morning, I also had the opportunity to read Mary's song in depth for the first time. I've read it in passing before as part of that story of Jesus' birth, but this series has given me the opportunity to really pay attention to it, and I've learned a lot from it. I suppose I could also say, as quite a few people have pointed out to me in the last week, that this Christmas is the first time I feel that I can resonate a little bit with Mary, as I'm expecting a son of my own. Um, and while I'm not a young teen who's pregnant with the Messiah, I feel like I can relate a little bit with that experience of pregnancy and her sense of joyful anticipation as I'm awaiting my own due date with less and less patience as each day passes. Now, as I've reflected on Mary's song and followed along with this series, I have seen God revealing not only pieces of himself and his story, but also some really beautiful opportunities for us as his children to participate with him in his story. In Mary's song, we see Mary, who we've been talking quite a bit about over the last month, a young, poor teen girl who's set to be married to Joseph, someone of little importance who likely would have existed kind of near the margins of her society, chosen by God to bear the Messiah, a teenager who's pregnant out of wedlock. Mary sits in the midst of what I can imagine would feel like a very messy situation, but she sits there praising God, saying, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. 
We see Mary sitting in anticipation of what God is doing in and through her, and in her own words, what God is doing for her. At the same time, we see her faithfulness, her courage, and her devotion as she praises God for what he's doing and joyfully participates alongside him. At the same time, through Mary's song, we see God, who abounds in goodness, love, justice, and mercy. We see a God who fulfills his promises to his people and a God who cares for those on the margins. As I prepared for this morning, I came across a blog written by uh, Jason Gabry and his own reflection on Mary's song. And he says, this God has done for his people what he promised. In Jesus the Messiah, God's great reversal is accomplished. In Jesus, we see immense love for the marginalized and his refusal to adopt the strategies of coercive power. In Jesus, we see God's covenant fulfilled and his faithfulness extended to the nations. And while I'm not saying that this is what Mary says in her song per se, for Mary, Jesus was the fulfillment of hope. And so her rejoicing in this song reflects that hope becoming real in this Messiah that God's people had been so longing for. As I further reflected on Mary's song, God reminded me of the parable of the persistent widow. As we heard in our scripture reading this morning, in Luke 18, verses 1 to 8, Jesus tells us about another woman who would have lived on the margins, a widow who cries out for justice with both anticipation and persistence. She pleads with the judge in her town, and she says, grant me justice against my adversary. Time and time again, she returns to this judge, continuously asking that she be given justice until he finally gives in and really only does so just to get her off his back. Then Jesus tells us, listen to what the judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So if this judge, who had no care for God at all, would grant a persistent woman justice, how much more then Will God grant us justice when we cry out to him? While we know that Jesus tells this parable to his disciples to teach them to pray and never give up, as it says in Luke, I can't help but see God's heart for his people shining through here as well. Jesus uses a widow of all people, someone on the margins of society, to demonstrate that God hears the cries of his children and will grant them justice. In the widow, I can't help but see a marginalized woman crying out for justice with anticipation and persistence, with faith, courage, and devotion. Through the widow, I also see God abounding in love for his people and for the marginalized. God who grants justice and is filled with mercy, who fulfills his promises and answers us when we cry out to him. In my ministry with Fight for Freedom, we work with a number of folks who are survivors of unbelievable hurt, abuse, and pain. Overall, these individuals are survivors of trafficking. That's what we exist. We're an anti-trafficking group. But they are also survivors of many other things throughout their lifetime. And in these individuals, I see the epitome of faithful anticipation, beautiful hope, courage, persistence, and devotion. The people that we work with, as I mentioned, who are mostly women in their 20s and early 30s, 
I would say are some of the most marginalized people in our society. These are women who've been involved in sex work, whether willingly or by force. They are, some of them are racialized women, some are women who've experienced homelessness, who may have grown up in the child welfare system, who have experienced addictions, battle mental health challenges, who face poverty, some of whom became pregnant out of wedlock and many at a very young age. Many of the women we work with rely on government assistance just to get by, and some have even lost their children to the child welfare system. These are women whose experiences individually would place them a little bit marginalized and a little bit set aside by society, but many of them, these are many experiences piling on top of each other to create this marginalization, and they really do bear the scars of hurt and hardships, and a system and a society that continuously pushes them aside and pushes them down. These individuals who, despite their past experiences and current challenges, continue every single day to push forward, to work toward their goals, and toward the promise of better things to come. And as I mentioned before, these efforts are not quickly rewarded for most. For most of the individuals that we work with, this is a lifetime of working toward better things to come. At times, especially when things are tough, it seems as though they'll take one step forward and then be pushed five steps back. Yet they continue to push forward in hope, faith, and anticipation. And as I talk about one step forward, five steps back, I'm reminded of one woman I know who has received support from a number of organizations after being trafficked, but she ended up being deeply hurt by quite a few of these places. She has spent years working through the impacts of being trafficked on both her mental and her physical health. She's been dismissed by doctors and mental health professionals because of her experiences, because somehow her status as a victim of human trafficking has led these professionals not to want to provide her with better care, but to question the validity of her mental and physical health needs. She continues to work through and navigate broken relationships with her family and has been working so hard just to get ahead. At one point, she reached out to us for financial support, and together we were able to find some really desperately needed resources for her. And at this point, it felt like things were looking up. I was feeling really optimistic. And then within a few months, she had to move out of her home and was facing homelessness alongside the challenge of trying to find affordable housing, which I think many of us know is all but impossible. And then she fell and injured herself, which further hindered her ability to search for an apartment, to tend to her day-to-day -day needs, and even just get a good night's sleep. And to top all of that off, this fall further exacerbated the injuries that she already was dealing with from the trafficking situation. So after everything that we'd been through, I felt like our connection helped to finally get her on the right track to reaching her goals. And then she just continued to be pushed back again and again by things that were entirely out of her control. She'd been working so hard and taking steps in the completely right direction, and life just kept coming at her. One step forward, five steps back. But despite all of this, despite her frustration, despite my discouragement, she continued to push forward. She continued to advocate for herself, to fight for the things that she needed. And so we continue to sit in the middle of this challenging situation to work toward the things that she needs 
and to hope for better things to come. I have the opportunity, as someone who's lived a relatively privileged life, to sit in these experiences with the people that we support, to walk alongside them through the challenges that are inevitably thrown their way. And as I'm sure you can now imagine, it sometimes feels like no matter what we do, the challenges just will not stop coming. But I also have the luxury at the same time of sitting outside of these situations, having seen in others how far you can come after years of pushing forward. I have the luxury of a sort of bird's eye view of seeing that there really are better things to come and that the hard work of pushing through these challenges does eventually pay off. I sit in these experiences of a world and a system that is so broken and continuously beats people down, but at the same time, I get to see God fulfill his promises and bring justice to his people. On this more positive note, I'd like to share about one more woman, um, someone that when we met her was in need of some significant support. She had been trafficked and at that point in her life didn't really have anyone that she could turn to. But soon after we began connecting, we lost touch. She wasn't answering our messages or our emails or our phone calls and this is surprisingly and unfortunately common for the people that we work with. So for about a year, we prayed for her, we continued to reach out by text, we continued to hope that we would run into her again. And about a year later, we did. She reached out in a bad spot and needing help. In the two years after that, working alongside our team, she struggled. She struggled to make ends meet, to work through the serious challenges of past traumas. She moved in with her partner who lost custody of his child. She then became pregnant and soon after lost the baby. But as time went on, she did find herself progressing. She found herself living in a more stable situation, surrounded by a good community. And about a year and a half to two years after losing her first pregnancy, she gave birth to a very healthy baby. Hers has been a long road, and I assure you that long road is not at an end. She's in a really good spot right now, and she's sure to face other challenges as time moves forward, but in my view, she is the image of moving forward in faith and anticipation, trusting in God to keep his promises and to hear her cries, because he does and he has. When I think about the people that we work with at Fight for Freedom, and I consider the persistent widow and Mary, I see a beautiful hope, faithful anticipation, courage, devotion, persistence, and a longing for God's promises to be fulfilled. I also see a God who does fulfill his promises, who abounds in love, goodness, justice, and mercy for all of us and for the marginalized. In this season of Advent, we are participating in the remembrance of God's people awaiting the Messiah. And at the same time, we're sitting in anticipation ourselves for the second advent or second coming of Jesus. And as we listen to the women that I've spoken about today, I believe that we have two amazing opportunities ahead of us. The first is that we get to sit in joyful anticipation of God's promises. We know that God does fulfill his promises, that as we await Christ's return, we await better things to come, where among many things, God will bring an end to suffering, 
where those who are marginalized will see justice and goodness. This is a world where survivors of trafficking, for example, will no longer face a system that pushes them back, where they will no longer bear the wounds of their traumas, and where they will find beautiful healing and freedom. This is a world where we too will find freedom from hurt and see justice restored. And we have the opportunity to sit in joyful anticipation of God's promises of these better things to come. Secondly, we have the opportunity to act, to work now toward the things that we know are to come. We have the opportunity to act for justice and goodness in our own homes and communities, to work in service to those around us and to the marginalized. We can work toward ending suffering for the poor. We can work toward including the excluded and to taking the system that keeps certain people down and turning it on its head. We can offer ourselves in service to God's work of justice, goodness, and mercy as we joyfully await his promises, not passively hoping that one day things will get better, but actively participating with God in bringing about the realities of these better things to come. For Mary, who lived in a time where God's people were longing for the coming of the Messiah, she praises God for what he's doing in and through her while actively participating in Jesus' coming. She accepts the responsibility of becoming pregnant, giving birth, and raising the Messiah. She willingly takes on the judgment of her society and all of the challenges that would have come along with this. And that is just mind-boggling to me. And she does it joyfully. For the survivors that I've shared about, they hope for better things to come, and they work hard to get there, working past challenge after challenge that comes their way in anticipation of something better. And for some of these survivors, as they move along this lifelong journey of healing and finding stability, they then turn back and lend a hand to others, pulling them up in hope and anticipation as well. For us, we get to be active participations in this hope too. And what that looks like is really up to us and to God. Whether we are someone who has experienced trauma, who wants to turn back and lift another up, or simply if we are someone who wants to be part of bringing about these better things to come, we can be active participants in the context of our own lives. Whether this is in how we raise our children, if this is how we push through our own challenges, working towards better things to come. Or it could be reaching out to a neighbor in need, speaking up when we see something that is wrong, taking time to learn about injustices in our societies, getting involved in the work of local organizations that are working for justice and for peace, calling for change in our broken system, or it can be something as simple as wearing a mask and hunkering down, as Anne said, as we wait and hope for an end to this pandemic. This is going to look different for each of us based on our own contexts and circumstances, but we can be joyful, active participants in making our communities better places, and through our hope and our love, we can point to Jesus. In these ways, we, like Mary, can joyfully anticipate what God is doing, sitting with beautiful hope and participating with him in these things to come. Together with Mary, we can proclaim, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. <laughs>